0: all right good morning i want to welcome you to new life church how is everybody doing at the north platte campus let's hear you at the north platte campus this guy thinks he's at the north platte campus but it's you who's at the north platte campus all right let's hear from the carney campus how are you doing today yes thanks for joining us whether you're here You're in North Platte, let's just want to say our North Platte campus, I don't want you to feel so much as if you are joining us, listening in with us, but we're joining you as well. We are together in this moment because we're one church, and if you're worshiping with us online, hey, welcome today to New Life. You know, my name's Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here, it's an honor to serve this amazing church I got to serve as the youth pastor for about five years. I was away for seven years as a lead pastor and really it was a dream come true for my wife and I to return and serve this church and one of the things that makes serving this church so awesome is our pastoral staff. I mean, you guys are awesome. We love you. You are the main event. But it's also great to serve a great staff. And over the years, God's blessed new life with wonderful men and women who have served faithfully. And so I just love doing that with our staff. God brings staff on sometimes for a season, sometimes for a really long season, a.k.a. Pastor Roger. Uh, he's been here for a while, and he, we love Pastor Roger on our staff. Some of us come for a season and then God moves us on. We're in fact gonna talk a lot about that specific subject today in our series. And, and that's just a segue to share with you some news about one of our pastors. Pastor Matt and Abby serve as our children's pastor at the Carney Campus, and God brought them a few years ago. They stepped into youth ministry. They've done a great job with that. A few months ago when Pastor Eric left, Um, they stepped into children's ministry and have just done a phenomenal job. Would you just give it up for Pastor Matt and Abby if you love them? Pastor Matt's wife, Abby, uh, she has been pursuing her her, uh, doctorate, her MD, and God opened an opportunity for her in Omaha to enter a program that's going to help her get a residency and really a God story of how that happened. Though we are going to experience a little bit of loss because they will be transitioning and moving to Omaha uh, for that. And they're still going to be in ministry. um, But I just wanted to let you know that they will be transitioning on here towards the end of July and into, into August. And so it's a it's, it's a sad moment for us, so would you make sure when you see them, if you're at the Carney campus today, to love on them, let them know how much you love and appreciate them. We're going to get an opportunity before they leave to do that here at the Carney campus, and we invite everybody that's a part of New Life at both campuses to attend that if you are able to, but just to love them and honor them, but make sure you let them know how much you love them. Take them out for a steak dinner. Do whatever it is you feel like God's calling you to do, but we, we certainly love them and are going to miss them. So how many know, speaking of change, that God loves change? Raise your hand if you know that God loves change. Some of you aren't so sure because you don't love change. I'm not really sure if God loves change. Well, let me just tell you, God loves change because if he didn't, I would still be a mess. And some of you who are followers of Jesus, you would have to admit, if, he, if God was not a God of change, I would still be a mess because he never stops working in us or on us. Philippians 1 says this, that he who began a good work in you, speaking of Jesus working in your life at salvation, he who began a good work in you will carry it on. Say, carry it on. on. He's going to carry it on. That means it's not finished. It's just begun. He's going to carry it on to completion. Until that day when we see Jesus, our salvation is complete. So he loves change. He's still changing us. He's still working in us. And he's still forming his image in us. And so what I want you to do, everybody at both of our campus, right now if you're at the North Platte campus, reach down, reach in front of you or wherever this connection card is. There it is. Looks like that. If you're at the Kearney campus, it's going to be in the seat right beside you. I want everybody to grab this and hold it for the service. You might put it in your Bible, but keep it nearby because we are going to be looking at this card and using this card as a response today as a response to what is it that God's calling me to change or to move on from. If you have a digital device like a phone or a tablet with you, you can log on to our free Wi-Fi. Go to the Bible app, the Bible app, it's version or the Bible app, same app. Look at events. You're going to see our, our uh, message notes today and all the scriptures there. There's also a digital link to where you can respond instead of filling it out if you don't know, forgot how to use a pen. You remember the days of pen and penmanship? If you don't like that, like me, you can fill it out digitally, there's a link on there and I'll explain that a little bit later in the service. Now sometimes the change we need in our life requires us to move on. Everybody say move on. Now I don't know what season that you're in in your life in the story that is being written right now about your life, it might be a great season, it might be a not so great season, but I believe God gives us the opportunity to move on. Why don't you just right now turn to your neighbor and just tell them, I'm glad you're at New Life today. Come on, tell them. Now turn to the other person who is your second choice and tell them it's time to move on. Come on. And so we're gonna look at two scriptures today, actually we're gonna look at a lot more than two, but two foundational scriptures today in which God gives his people, and we're gonna put ourselves in their shoes God gives his people who are going through a tough season, who have experienced a tough time. He gives them a promise that they can move on. So if you have U version, you're gonna pull it up. If you have your your paper Bible, please open it up to Isaiah 43, and then we're gonna go to Lamentations 3. But let's start with Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. He says this: forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Are you getting it? He's saying, put it behind you. Do not dwell upon it. See, I am doing a new thing. Say, new thing. God's doing a new thing. He's telling them in this moment. Now it is springing up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way or I'm building a road in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I lived in the desert for uh, several years. And let me just tell you, when streams come to the desert, when streams come to the bad land, it's like a flood. It'll carry you away. But when the rain happens in the, in the Sonoran Desert where I lived for a while, everybody who's from Tucson, Arizona loves when it rains because the desert begins to bloom. It's green. There's this smell. And God is saying, I'm going to bring rain, I'm going to bring streams To the badlands, to the wastelands, to the desert. And so what he's telling them is this. He's saying, stop mentally rehearsing the past. Stop going over and over it in your mind because the more you rehearse the past, the more apt you are to, to either, if it's a failure, to repeat the past or get stuck in the past or if it's a good season, the more you're likely to never think there's something better or more that God has for you. He's saying, stop rehearsing the past. I want you to move on. And so he gives this promise to Israel, and we're putting ourselves, for those who are followers of Jesus, in the shoes of Israel, because Israel was God's people in the Old Testament. We still believe that they're God's people, but for the, the Today, the church is God's people, the chosen people of God, so we can put ourselves in their shoes when we talk about the promises of God. And so he gives this promise to his people when they're stuck. The failures that they experienced were causing them to look in the rearview mirror. Have you ever been driving down the road and looked in the rearview mirror? We've all done that, right? we're thankful for the rearview mirror. It helps us to know what's behind us. But just imagine this for a moment. You're going to drive down the interstate staring in the rearview mirror, fixating your attention in the rearview mirror. What's going to happen? You're going to crash, or you're going to have to pull over the side of the road just to focus on the rearview mirror. And God's saying, stop. To them, they were looking into the past, looking in the rearview mirror, and God's saying, turn your thinking, turn your gaze away from what's behind you, and look to me, look to the new season that I'm going to give you. Now, God gives them this other promise I'm going to share with you in Lamentations. Let's read it in chapter 3. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. How many are thankful for that? The faithful love of the Lord never, never ends. And then let's focus in on this. His mercies... Notice it's plural, mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies, not his one mercy that he has for you, that one time of giving you mercy. By the way, mercy is an act of God's grace, not getting what you deserve. It's his grace upon you, right? Right? It's his mercies, not singular but plural. They never end, he never runs out. God is never void of mercies to give to you. Mercies for your family, mercies for your relationships, mercies for your job, mercies uh, for what's going on, the struggle inside of you. God has new mercies and he says, they're new every morning. They're new every morning. And so during a season of pain to Israel, God is saying to them, and I believe he's saying to many of us today that you don't have to keep rehearsing the past. You don't have to keep repeating the past. You don't have to keep going over the failure in your mind, and you don't have to repeat it in the future. You can change. And so I love this verse because it's as if God is saying, and I believe he is, and he's saying this to some of you today, that you just need to go to sleep. You just need to go to bed You just need a rest. You know, when we go to bed at night we put our head in the pillow and we finally fall asleep, it's an act of moving on because we need refreshing, right? It's an act of moving on from the day. And so God's saying, just go to sleep, get some rest. And when you wake up, guess what? My mercies are new. They're waiting for you when you get up the next day. My mercies are new. And so he's calling us to move on. When I was going to North Central University, back then it was North Central Bible College, and since that God was put a call on my life to be a pastor, and so I went to North Central after just a season of being a prodigal, being a runner from Jesus. And I remember my very first year there, I took a class called Systematic Theology. This sounds awesome, doesn't it? You want to take it. took Systematic Theology. And man, I, was, I, wanted to, I wanted to kill college in the sense of I wanted to crush it. I wanted to graduate with a 4.0. I wanted just to get everything, all this knowledge God's called me. I want to be everything that God's called me to be. But I also wanted to meet a girl. Anybody understand what I'm saying? I wanted to meet, and guess what? I met a girl, and I met a beautiful girl. Her name is Lynette. I'm married to her today, but let's go back to that first year. And I met Lynette and we started hanging out. We started spending time together. We started dating. And I'm so thankful that she sensed the call of God to marry a pastor. And she thought, where do you find pastors? You go to Bible college. And so she came, we met and we started dating. And and thankfully, thankfully we went to a Bible college where you couldn't, uh, it was very regulated on the time that you could spend with the opposite sex. You couldn't even go into their dorm room. So we would be up on the phone at night talking. Till like five in the morning. And it was cheesy, classic, talk about everything. And then it's like, are you still awake? Yeah, I'm still awake. You know, it's one of those types of things. and And so we started spending a lot of time together. In this class in particular, you didn't have, there was... There was no uh, limit to the number of skips you could have in the class. It shouldn't happen for freshmen, but it was an advanced class I was taking. You could skip as much as you want. And so that class was early in the morning. I skipped it a lot. And guess what happened when I came to the end of the semester? I failed that class. My first year of college, I found myself on academic probation my first year. It was a failure. I blew it, and it was all her fault. I blew it. And so what I could have done is said, you know what? I'm not cut out for this. I just give up. I could have <laughs> I sunk all that money and it was expensive in that class. I could have given up. But I had to come to a place where God's call on my life the season he was calling me to was more important than the failure and I took the class again and I aced it. Amen. Come on. Give me give me anybody give some hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, but I had to move on. And just because you have a bad day or a bad moment or a bad decision or a bad year doesn't mean that you cannot move on from your failures or your falling. And so what season are you in or that you feel like you're coming out of that you need to just move on from? Over this series, we've been talking about change, the obstacles to change, and today we're really focusing on how do I put on the mind of change? How do I actually embrace change? Change. So what is it that God's calling you to change? What season? It could be a good season. I remember, again, I mentioned earlier, I was on staff here as a youth pastor, and I loved it. Man, it was the glory days of being on staff at a wonderful church and a ministry I loved. but I knew that God was nudging me in the last year or two and just calling me to be a lead pastor. And so when that time came and God opened an opportunity for us to go to Arizona, that was a good season we're leaving. There was nothing wrong. I didn't get fired just to expel any rumors that might've been going out. I I loved being at this church and God used some things to communicate the new season, but that was a good season, but it was a strategic move on. So it might be a, a move on season from something that's good for you. What might that be in your life? Maybe it's a moving on from an old job to a new job, or maybe it's moving into a new ministry or a new experience, and there's this fear of the unknown, because even though this is bad, I know it. I know what to expect. I can predict it, but God's nudging you to move on. What might that be? I think we oftentimes, too often, find ourselves stuck on a page of a storybook. When I was a little kid, my favorite book, for some reason, was this book called The Boy Who Would Not Say His Name. In fact, a few years ago, I looked it up on eBay and bought an old copy of it because I loved that book as a kid. And it was about this boy who just refused to say his real name. Uh, You know, those kinds of kids, right? He just wouldn't say who he really was until one day he got lost from his parents And that old habit, just kept going back to it. He would not say his name. And, And so he was stuck in the police And they got him to the police department. They're trying to find his parents, but he refused to say his name. Well, that story does have a happy ending because he learned his lesson, but it would be like reading that book. It'd be like reading any story, right? The story of Little Red Riding Hood, and she's been swallowed up by the wolf, and you just keep reading that page and reading that page, and you don't read the next point of the story where the lesson was learned. Or... The hero came in and rescued Little Red Riding Hood, and you just keep reading that page over and over and over again, and we get stuck in the page of the story because we won't move on to what God has for us. And so today, I want to challenge you to move on. I think all of us have something, something, there's something that God's saying, it's time to move on, it's time to take a step. Because you can't start the next chapter of your life by rereading over and over the same page. And so in case you feel like, well, this is a little easier said than done that, Pastor Chris, you don't know my story. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't know, but I know God knows. He has all wisdom and knowledge, and he gave us his word. The Bible is full of people who had to move on, who did move on, and we can learn lessons from them. And so today I just I just want you to just get it into your heart. You might not even identify it yet. You might not you might know clearly what it is, but just get it in your heart today is the day that I'm going to move on. Today is the day that I'm going to move on. Think about this guy named Moses and if you don't know who Moses is I'm not going to tell his whole story but he was a Hebrew and God used him ultimately to deliver the entire nation of Israel from slavery to Egypt. He was, he was a leader over a million or millions of people. God used him greatly. But earlier on in his, his life, he was an angry man. He was a confused man. Maybe he was even a racist man. And his anger and his confusion caused him to murder a person. And then he went into basically exile in the wilderness where God worked on him. And he could have stayed caught up in that moment, caught up in the fear uh, that he couldn't lead because of his speech impediment, because of his lack of leadership insight that he felt he had. And he could have just stayed in that moment because of what he did in that, in that act of murder. But at some point, he had to come to grips with God's promises when he came face to face with God and he had to move on from his past. And God used him greatly. There's another guy in the Old Testament named David. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. God supernaturally used the prophet to choose David to be the king over all of Israel. He was a righteous king. But David blew it. David had an affair with a married woman. And then he was an accomplice to murdering his lover's wife as he's the king over God's people. Talk about failure, right? He hurt people. But God had a call on his life and David had to come to a place of repentance, of acknowledging I've sinned, I've blown it, and trust God that what God had said and what God had anointed him to do, that God could turn all of that around and David became, again, a great king. Another man in the New Testament named Peter. He was one of Jesus' followers, his disciples. Peter blew it several times. He's this guy. He said to Jesus, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. All these other guys, you know, they, they have no, they, they're just going to, if they abandon you, I will never leave you. Jesus is arrested. And Peter is confronted three times. And three times he denies he even knows Jesus. Three moments in one, in one scene of his life. And he fails. As Jesus is being arrested and eventually taken to the cross, Peter is running. Peter is hiding. Peter is abandoning Jesus. Jesus. Peter had to come to a place where he received God's mercy. He received Jesus' forgiveness. Jesus reestablished him in his role to build the church. And Peter had to come to grips with the past and move on from the past so that he could step in to the new season God had for him. And he experienced what he experienced. We read in Lamentations. He experienced the mercies of God that are new every morning. So some of you just need to get that. You just need to get that. God's mercies are new every day. Come to him with a humble heart. If it's sin, come to him with a heart of repentance and let his mercies overtake you and move on. So no matter what has happened to your life, God's mercies are new. He is the God of the turnaround. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on in North Platte. Can I get an amen? He is the God of the turnaround. You can move on. So don't stay stuck where you're at. It's a good season, it's a bad season, never stay stuck because there's so much more that God wants for you to experience in your life. How many love shopping in the house? Come on, can I see your hands? You love to shop in North Platte, just lift up your hands, tell your neighbor your favorite shop right now that you like to go to. Come on, tell them. You guys are being quiet. Shopping is not of the Lord, huh? I don't know what it is about the tile floor of a mall that does to me, but when my feet hit it, they start to ache. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Anybody with me? Can I get get us some applause? There's something about it. And my wife and I learned a long time ago that one of the ways of having peace in our marriage is that we just don't go to the mall together, all right? And and so there's something about that. But I got to tell you, there's another place. It's America's foremost outfitter. Come on. I thought there would be a bigger applause. And I was at Cabela's, America's uh, foremost outfitter, Nebraska company, the best store in the nation. And we have one right here in Kearney, Nebraska. And I was at Cabela's. It was during waterfowl season. Pastor Nate got me hooked on waterfowl hunting. It wasn't too hard, but I, I start to enjoy that. And so I was at Cabela's during waterfowl season. It was, uh, one of my friends, uh, Dennis Sherrod, also got me hooked, and he let me hunt with him. And so I needed to get a duck call. So I don't have a duck call. I don't even know how to blow a duck call. But I go to Cabela's, and it's wintertime. I'm in Cabela's long enough looking for my duck call, that it ices up outside, completely ices up outside. And uh, so I have my duck call, and you can't go into Cabela's without at least sampling the fudge, right? In the fudge shop, right? And so I sampled the five pieces, if you buy five, it's, it's cheaper, pieces of fudge, and I had those with me, and I had my duck call, and I walked outside, and it was dark, and a wind was blowing, and the ice had just covered the parking lot, and I saw the, um, the salt truck going through the parking lot salting. And so I'm walking, just imagine I got my fudge in one hand, my duck on the other hand. And, and at, it's like the Matrix meets Home Alone, all right? And, and the salt truck is going slow, and all of a sudden my right foot goes up. I'm only 6'2", somehow my feet go 6'5" and it was so slick, my right foot goes up, my left foot goes up, whip in the air, and I fall onto my backside and I break my phone. But I've saved the fudge. Come on, anybody (laughs) happy about that? My phone has insurance. I don't think they would replace my fudge, you know? So I saved the fudge. And so what do you think I did after I hit the ground? I looked around, right? You would be just like, you just took a spill. You feel like, okay, I'm okay. You look, I looked around to see who, and somebody, of course, had seen me. Actually, several people had seen me. <laughs> so I was okay, and I, I, I got up from that. And the choice that I could have made from this silly story is to never go to that place again. I'm never going to Cabela's again, because that guy who worked there saw me. I, I'm never, I'm never going to go outside again, I'm in, the, in the ice at least. I, I, I'm never going to eat fudge again. How, how many know this is never going to happen, but that that's could happen in your mind. I'm never going to repeat. I'm never going to go back. It was too painful. I could be sitting at home rehearsing, wanting to go back, but rehearsing the incident. in My mind, I had to move on. So often we let falls and fails and people keep us from moving on and we miss out on the change that God wants to bring. That's what this whole series is about. When we miss out on the change that he wants to bring in order to take us to a new season, to greater fulfillment, to new opportunity, to new things that he has for us. And sometimes we make a decision. We have to make the decision that I'm moving on from the past. So I want to help you to do that in the few minutes we have left to experience all that God has for you. That's what this church is about. That's, it's in our name, new life. There's new life in Christ. We wanna see people find Jesus and life's changed. And so I'm gonna help you with that. Here's the big idea. If you're taking notes today, if we can really wrap up. If we're going to have a mind to change, put on the mind to change, we need to change our thinking about the idea of failure. So here's, here's what I want you to know. Failure is not final. It's a life lesson, not a life sentence. Amen. Failure is not final. It's God wants to use it as a life lesson, not a life sentence. So often we allow it to become a life sentence and we just allow it allow it to keep us chained and barred. But God wants us to move on from that. We can move on. We can learn by being in church. That's why it's so important that we worship and hear God's word together regularly. Do not give it up. Don't give it up for and settle for one week out of the month. Don't give it up. It's so important because we turn our eyes to Jesus. We can get vulnerable in a small group. Small groups can help with this because you get vulnerable, right? You become transparent. Vulnerability will heal you. It will heal you from past failures. Isolation will kill you. So if you feel, if you feel like, yeah, life group's not for me or being around people's not for, for me, let me just tell you, isolation will drown you. But even, let me just say, vulnerability is so important in a small group, but even in vulnerability, there comes a season where we must move on from that, right? If it's been a year or a couple years, depending on the severity of the issue that you're going through, and all you do is just whine and complain about the issue, and you never allow God to heal you, never allow yourself to move on. And I realize, by the way, that, that even that whole thing, move on, sounds, can, can sound insulting. But I believe it's biblical. There comes a time where we need to move on, quit rehearsing, dwelling on the past. And so in a small group environment, if it's been so long and you can't let go, you need to begin to let go and move on. Life groups can help you with that. So here's how to move on. This is the application for the message. Please take notes if you have uh, your device out or you have notes to take. Imagine you're stuck on a road that just circles round and round. If the road could be around the earth. Let's make it a little shorter because that would be a pretty cool road. Uh, Let's make it a little shorter. But you just keep going the same round and around and round. And all of a sudden, the road you're driving and there's a stop sign and there's a new road. Now, if you're going to take a new direction and get off the old path, you need to turn, right? So with that kind of picture in mind, there's some things that we must turn. The first one is we must turn our heart. You need to turn your heart. Turn your heart. Turn your neighbor and tell him, turn your heart. Come on, turn your heart. The heart is the core of who you are. The Bible talks a lot about our heart. Over 300 times the Bible mentions our heart. Job 11 says this, surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer and give up your sins. Even those you do in secret, then you won't be ashamed. You will be confident and fearless. How can that happen? If you surrender your heart to God. Turn your heart to God. You see, the outside never changes until the inside is changed by God. If we're going to put on the mind of change and actually see change and move on, we must first turn our heart to God. The season, it's never going to change until your heart is changed by God. That's why worshiping, once again, live, live, be here. Be at our North Platte campus or be at the church that God's, in the community God's placed you in. Be there live, if at all possible. It's so very important. Why? Because when we're together and we hear God's word, we worship together, we rub shoulders with one another. It enables us to turn our heart to God. We turn our focus on God. So don't give it up. In a few moments, our campus pastors, they're, they're going to ask you with that card, they're going to ask you to contemplate surrendering your heart to God. If you have yet to surrender to Jesus, turn your heart to God. Give him your life. And they're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a few, few moments. So that first application is we've got to turn our heart to God. But then we must turn our mind to God. We must change our thinking. We must, after we've turned our heart to him, we must put on this new way of thinking. How important is your thinking? It's a pretty big deal. The Bible talks a lot about our thinking about what goes on up here. So if the Bible's talking a lot about it, it's a pretty big deal. Here's one thing that the Bible says about it in Romans 12, verse two. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Another version would say, there's a renewing of your mind that God will do to you. Let God change the way you think. Then, if that happens, then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him, which to me sounds like change. If I'm gonna change, the ultimate, the definition is do what's good and pleasing to God, right? And so how does that happen? I need to allow God to renew my mind. And one of the ways he renews my mind, changes the way I think, is when I put God's word in my mind. So here are some things the Bible gives us that we need to put in our mind, okay? This is just some verses. I just encourage you, maybe memorize some of these. Isaiah says this, chapter 26, verse three, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So we put that in our mind. We say, God, that's your promise. You said it. I, I need to believe it, embrace it. And then we pray, Lord, I trust you. Help me to trust you more, because when I trust you, you're gonna keep me in perfect peace and as we put that in our mind guess what we're doing we're focusing our mind we're staying our mind on the Lord I love how Eugene Peterson the author of the message paraphrase Bible explains Colossians 3 2 this is what he says he says don't shuffle along eyes to the ground absorbed with the things right in front of you in in other words don't fix your eyes on things below he says look up look to things above And be alert to what is going on around you. Or excuse me, around Christ. That's where the action is. I love that. I love that word picture. See things from his perspective. So don't fix your eyes on just everything that's going on around you. Fix your eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, help me to focus my mind on things above. Help me to focus my attention on those things. And then then do it. Worship God. Come to worship. Let a song you know, escape your lips outside of the first and last portions of our services here in our North Platte campus. Worship God, then do it. Let the first thing you do in the morning be to say to God, hey, hello, God. Hey, God. Let the second thing you do in the morning be to get in his word and let his word soak into your life. In fact, in the version Bible app, I, I added a Bible reading plan, like 40 days to change. And so just commit, commit to that. I'm going to put God's word in my life. There's a Bible reading plan right there in your U version notes for you to track with. James, the brother of Jesus, he says this, and he talk about our mind. He says, those of us who pray and ask God for something and then doubt what we just prayed for, he says this about that person. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You see how important the mind is? Double-minded means lacking a singular focus of thought of attention in our mind. It's, I come to church, you might even be here today, and I believe God's for me. God wants to bring change in my life. God has a new season, I'm gonna move on. And then Monday, I'm not sure God's for me, I'm not sure I can change, I don't know if I have what it takes. And James says that you're double-minded. Get your focus on Jesus. So God, sometimes he brings us to a new season, but sometimes we're trying to hold on to the old season. The old season's let go of us, but we're trying to hold on. Just pray, Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to, you know, because my words, I have plenty of my words in my mind. God, help me to have your words in my mind and trust him. Here's the power of going on a mission trip. We do mission trips at New Life, global outreach trips. So very important. Almost, I, I don't know what the percentage would be, very high, maybe above 90% of people who go on a mission trip for the first time. When they come back, you know what they say? Their perspective has changed. They see, they see a need and they see a practical way to serve and they say, guess what? I can do that here. That's what I hear a lot. You know what? God's called me to do that right where I'm at. Mark Batterson puts it this way, a change of pace and a change of place brings a change of perspective. And I believe that's so crucial. If you haven't gone on a short-term mission trip, that might be the move-on change that you need to do. Change of pace and place gives you a change of perspective. Do whatever it takes to get the mind of Christ. Turn your heart, turn your mind, and then finally turn your actions. Ephesians says it this way Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. He says, Throw it off. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Put off the old woman, put on the new woman. Let God renew your thoughts and minds so you know what his will will is and then do it. Make the decision, guided by the Holy Spirit and just start. Let the move on maybe for you today be just to start. Start somewhere, start a conversation. Start by saying, I'm sorry, I love you. I forgive you. Start by showing compassion. Just start. I believe some of you are one turn away from God writing new chapters in your life. And so if you put God's word in and you turn your heart and you turn your mind and you turn your actions to him, he will enable you to move on. And then your spouse says something that feels like an attack or your boss. You've put God's word. You've turned your heart. You've turned your Mind, and then Proverbs 15, one comes to mind, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The old man, I need to put off who wants to lash out and get even and win the fight. But the new man says a harsh, or excuse me, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And so when we change all those things, our heart, at, our heart, our mind, and then we put it in practice by our actions, we can move on. You can move on. One of the greatest ways we can move on, I mentioned missions trips, but one of the greatest ways you can move on to a new season is when you help others move on to their new season. It's amazing when you invest and take your time and energy to help someone else in their story that you're able to move on to your new season. So I want to do that for you today. If you need to move on from living for self. The ultimate move on response is to surrender to Jesus as your Lord and leader. So I want everyone to take out that card on North Platte campus here in Kearney. Those of you who are in the loft up above, I want you to take out that card. If you're not a follower of Jesus and, and yet God's been drawing you, today I want you to make the decision. You're going to put your trust. The card means nothing, but it can be an expression of it. I want it to be a point of faith where you say, today is the day I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Those of you who are Christ followers and God's calling you to change, I want you to take a moment right there on that card, right there, and just write out in the prayer request area, what is it that God's calling me to change? What is it that God's calling me to move on from? You can put your name on it or leave it blank, but what I want you to do as an act of uh, just response is as we worship at all of our locations, both here in North Platte, I want you to come and bring it to the altars, the steps here. If you don't feel like coming up, that's okay. We have hosts that will receive them at the back. But I just want to encourage you, write it out. What is it that God's calling you to change and respond? Let's stand and let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Thank you that you're a God of change that wants to see the best for us. And even though... We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to fear any evil. No matter what season we're walking through, it could be a season, a bad season of our own making because of our sin. It could just be a season of persecution, a season of change, a season of where you're developing our character and it's tough. God, you're with us. The things that we have control over, we have the ability to say it's time to move on. So today we want to do that. We want to respond to you. So as we worship right now, God, may may it come to mind, the action step we must take so that we can move on. In Jesus' name, amen.